911, what's the nature of your emergency? Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody who is listening in on the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton. I am joined with my now very good friend, Mr. George Wooden. George, how are you? How are you? How are you? <laughs> You're such a <laughs> So for anybody listening, Mr. George is such a pleasure to talk to, and I say that that comes from a place deep within my heart because... It, it it's not easy to connect with somebody for the first time and then to wind up on the phone with them for over an hour, which I was I was so honored to be able to have that that time with you, George. And George is a retired Maryland state trooper. He's a former United States Marine and he served both his state and his country for over 24 years. And for that, George, we we thank you. Thank you for thanking me. Now, if you don't mind, are you able to go into your own rendition of a little bit of your background and who you are? Sure. Um First, I'm George Wooden. Um, I was a Maryland State Trooper. I served uh, 20 years in the Maryland State Police. Um, ten and a half years of those were undercover. Um, very on various task forces. I was a um, on a DEA HIDA task force. Did major drug interdiction, and then went into undercover, truly undercover work for four and a half. Um, the rest of my tenure, which was about six and a half years, and before that, I was on the road doing drug interdiction on the road taking off major loads of drugs or arresting people for drugs and but as a road patrol trooper and then i was promoted one one undercover and went to different task forces doing drug buys and everything else drug investigations and then was promoted and sent back out to the road and i was promoted to sergeant at back out at the jfk highway barrack which runs up 95 where all the drug interdictors are the drug traffic or trackers are and that's when I decided to retire after 24 years, well, 20 years to credit with the Maryland State Police and four years in the Marine Corps. Because I wanted to, and based on that, I, my passion was was now to start the, my business that I'm currently have, that I currently have. So that's what Beautiful. I did. And I'm a father and a husband, father and a husband. That's the most important thing. There you go. Most important. Good morning to everybody who's just tuning in with us. And George, without getting into any more detail than you want to, can you walk us through that moment where you just knew like it was time for you to leave law enforcement? Well, in the beginning, you have you got to know some of my background. You probably don't know this, Ashley, but I was the trooper of the year, police officer of the year, law enforcement officer of the year, like type A on crack, basically. Like that's, that's all I wanted to do was just be the best of the best and the best. And I was recognized as one of the uh, top 10 young Americans in the United States, obviously not anymore. I'm 54. Um, and b based on being, you know, really um, over and above when it came to law enforcement. So I was really, really, really into being a trooper. And um, um, I really loved my job. So when I went undercover, I had to, the Maryland, I went undercover and I had to shirk all that policing stuff you know you got to get rid of all that robotic stuff they teach you in the academy and you got to get rid of it all because you're going to get dead so um i had to get and i got became very good at undercover that's why they sent me to different places and in interdiction so when i came back out i realized that the maryland state police and policing as a as a whole had changed drastically had changed and i didn't like it um the rules, it, you know, it became more of a worry about the department than being out on the road. You know, the rules changed and there was no more camaraderie. It was just, it was 
it's like one on one. It wasn't any more of a team. No, no more of that pride thing, you know, pride and all that. And I just, I just lost the heart. And I just said, you know, my tenure with this is done. I need to make a move. And um, thank God I was provided an opportunity and I made a move and then followed my heart to do what I'm doing now as well. So a bunch of other stuff. I just, I just, it just became a job, a grind, you know, working shift work and dealing with all the headaches and all that. I just lost it. So I decided to move. Yeah. And given the current state of everything, you reached out to me and you wanted to discuss the importance of now more than ever, I think for all first responders to at least have some frame of mind of a potential backup plan. So can we start to go into that a little bit and why that's important? Sure. Okay. So here's the thing, and you know this from Clint. Okay. Our whole, my whole, my whole personality was law enforcement. I was a trooper. That's what I was. I was a trooper before I was anything. I was a trooper before I was a father. I was a trooper before, this is the mentality that I had. I was a, I was a trooper and I, you know, cause we wore big state police Stetsons and the cowboy hat kind of thing. I was 100% trooper and it went, it was first in my life. And my whole identity was law enforcement. But after age and, you know, getting rid of that kid um, and coming, coming back out, and realizing that my time was over with and I had made a move and I made a move out of law enforcement completely different, which is something else. I mean, most people leave one agency and go into another or they'll leave one agency, one police department, and they'll go into like a bailiff, get worker guys. There'll be a bailiff at, and they hate it. They're, they're a bailiff here or they start their own investigative company or they do something that has something to do with law enforcement. I didn't do any of that. I, I went with fundraising and um, for charities. But most guys think that this is my life. This is, all, this is all I know. I'm a police officer. You know, I came out of the Marine Corps serving the country, serving the state. I'm a police officer. I have got to stay in this. Well, listen, I've gotten to a point, Ashley, and I think you and I have talked about this. Like, I don't even watch Facebook anymore. I don't, I don't watch. I don't listen to I watch your videos because you're I'm your biggest fan. But um, with the state of affairs that's right now, I, I want to I tell everybody: Look, if you're thinking about leaving, and you're and you're 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 having a problem with psychologically PTSD, especially, um, or PTSI, which you taught me, I think you taught me that that, and you're having problems, you're having you know uh, family problems or whatever. And you're thinking about making a move. I want you. To, I want everybody to know that there is life after law enforcement. You can do something else. Do something else. You can take that same pride and that same work ethic and move it into something else. Don't be afraid to make a move, because I did it. And let's listen. I did something that nobody does. I, I left, and actually created a niche, created a, a business that didn't exist anywhere. It's not like I created Coca Cola. It's been around the soda, right? So I created something and it's the best move I ever made in my life. And that then led me to where I'm at now, where, I mean, I used to go to work every day with a ball of stress in my throat. I mean, literally it felt like it was right here, like a rubber band ball. You have, we've all seen rubber band balls. It felt like I had stress built up inside me and I couldn't deal with it. I just couldn't deal with it, dealing with it, dealing with it. So what, what everybody should understand is this if you're thinking about making a move and you don't know what you're going to do, do it anyway, because everything's going to be fine. 
Everything is going to be fine. You're going to live a better life. I'm going to tell you now, I enjoy a better relationship with my wife and my son, and believe it or not, with myself than I've ever enjoyed in my and since I've known my wife, um, which has been before law enforcement. I was two weeks out of the Marine Corps and I met my wife. Um, so I want them to know that don't be afraid, especially today, what's going on today. Man, don't be afraid to make a move. Jump ship. If you got to go, it's, it, listen, we only go around this rock once. So if you want to make a move, make it and make it quick. So that's it. Again, I want to point out that this isn't this isn't George trying to encourage anybody swaying one way or the other. It's just a little tap on the shoulder to say, hey, if you've been feeling that tugging feeling, it might be time to start to explore something. And I never really thought about this concept, George, until you and I had spoken for the first time, because it is that way we have generations and generations of people who are in, you know, not just law enforcement, but first responding military service members. And you never think that you will be the one to be that break in the link, so to speak. And um, what encouragement would you have for somebody who might feel a little bit apprehensive with that weighing on their shoulders? Well, first off, you got to turn around and look behind you and you got to say, you got to say, um, okay, what's going on in the current state of affairs? Look, I know, we all know, every police officer, every police department, we all know what's going on. And if you're worried, like your, your wife, your whoever's worried about you you know, being injured or hurt and you're worried about it and you're stressed out in your department, you're worried about getting in trouble for saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, looking in the wrong direction and your heart's not in it, in it anymore. Um, make a move because I hate to tell you guys, I don't think this is my own opinion now. Okay. It's not going to get any better. Not for a long time. Um, this is the first time in, and I'm 54. It's the first time ever. We went from one month being first responders, being the heroes, you know, COVID and all that, um, to now being sanctified, to police officers being killed. Um, and my friend Jenny Hill, their good friend, and Eddie Richardson, the, one of their good friends was just murdered. A police officer was just murdered. There's being police officers murdered everywhere. Now we're being hunted. You know, um, you just want quality of life. So it's all, but in the end, boil it down. There's got to be an essence. Everything has an essence. Everything has like that summary. Okay, what is behind everything? What's behind it? Find that end. And once you find that end and you say, my heart's not in this anymore. I'd rather live a better life. I mean, look, McDonald's hiring, but they, you only get in trouble for cook, cooking the hamburger a little bit too much. You, you could do, there's so much more and there's so much you've learned as a police officer. There's, you know, following the rules, your work ethic and doing reporting. And there's people out there who are dying for you, who, um, who would love to help you, you know, hire you, or you could do your own thing. Go, you could be an entrepreneur. I'm here. If I, anybody needs any advice, any of my brothers and sisters need advice, you're more than welcome to get a hold of me. I'll talk you through it. I'll mentor you on what I did. Now I went from a cop that used to say, get your hands on the car to, you know, uh, to now we, uh, my wife and I own five businesses. So if I can do it and I'm dumb as a box of rocks, you know, you, if I can do it, you surely can. So what I'm saying is if your heart's not in it and you're thinking, if you're starting to think, look, I, I want to get out of here. You've already taken the first step. So there is this thing, three words, quality of life. Quality of life means the most. Your quality of life means the most. 
you don't want to be like me either. And I'll tell you, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm the first guy to admit it. I have PTSD. I suffer from PTSD. And I did, I took steps and it changed my life to help me um, to be a better person. Thank God I did. So what I'm saying is if you're having that thought, there is life after the badge. You can put the badge down. You can put the, take the gun belt off, leave it. To go to your supply and leave it and go to something else. You're going to live a much better life. I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not for everybody leaving law enforcement because God knows we need you. But I, I'd rather see my brothers and sisters of the thin blue line live a better life and have a better relationship with themselves and with their families than to sit and struggle and go through all the pain and suffering. So. Yeah, for sure. And as you listen to this, if this is something that maybe you start to feel weighing in the center of your chest a little bit, um, one one technique, one exercise that I like to go through with some of our clients is to make yourself a list of just the top 10 activities, the top things that you thrive at, the things that you would wake up in the morning and do first thing if you could every single day and show that list to other people and have that be kind of an outline um, just to see what other potential opportunities there could be for employment. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an all in right now sort of thing. Um, I know most certainly when I started my own business with Leo Warriors, it wasn't that way. And it takes a little bit of grinding in the beginning if you do do it that way. But that's the technique that I used. And a lot of the times you will find that the perfect job for you is actually going to be something that every single item that you list out on those those 10 items is going to be in alignment with that. So if you're not sure, George, it's so nice for you to, to offer to be that you know, to be, be that voice of reason because you've been through it already. And I think that's an amazing thing. So good morning to everybody just tuning in. Let's check in some of the comments. Absolutely, there are other options when it's time to go for sure. 9-11 did a lot of good in the short term, but incredible long-term damage to all our services. Uh, we're targets 20 years later. The job has to be a lifelong passion or you need to do something else. George, you are so on target and I use my list regularly. Amazing, amazing. Um, if it's okay, if we could transition a little bit because I love your company, Be Unlimited, and I know that we have a huge event coming up in October. We finally get to meet face to face. So if we could just talk a little bit about that. Okay, let's talk about this event. Okay, let me tell you, it's a secret between us. Okay, just us. It's just us talking. October 17th, the largest law enforcement get together. Oh, I'm getting so excited. In the United States, it's called. The Brothers in Blue Bash Las Vegas. I am incredibly proud to be a part of, and I've actually, see, nobody knows this. I've actually been named the director of fundraising for the probably one of the biggest charities, law enforcement charities in the United States, headed up by my good friend, Randy Sutton. And if you know Randy, Randy was one of the first guys that was on Cops. He's the voice of American law enforcement. He's on all these different news stations. Really great guy. Love him to death. And my brother from another mother, um, Eddie Richardson and Jenny Hill and all of them. So we're doing this event. I mean, listen, everybody's always looking for an excuse to go to Vegas. Now you got it. There's going to be close to a thousand people in Vegas. And listen, this. Vegas is wide open. There's no possibility of people being coming in and being worried. It's wide open. We're having it at the Cox Pavilion. We're recommending the Orleans Hotel. It is going to be amazing. It's just already we're well over 50% sold out. October 17th, all you can eat, all you can drink. It's just going to be crazy, crazy, Ashley. Live auction, silent auction, raffles, you, all kinds of people, me, the bald-headed guy, 
you know, all kinds of stuff. It's just, it's going to blow people's minds. Plus, we're going to be in Vegas. There's going to be a before party, probably an after party. There, uh, it, it's it's going to rock people's world. There's going to be all kinds of stuff on the auction. Um, Frank Shank, which you may or may not know who Frank is, he started the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He just got it. He's on the board. Um, he has a movie built. He was an Arizona trooper. He had a movie made about him called The Wish Man. He just got a um, Henry Rifle Law Enforcement Edition. Look up out here, but Law Enforcement Edition rifle, the badge. This is going to be all kinds of vacation packages and sports memorabilia. It's going to be crazy. You're going to be. I hope Clint's candy. listening to that. <laughs> huh? I said I hope Clint's listening to that one. Save your money. <laughs> Get a fresh credit card, fresh one that you just signed on the back. Signed your name on the back. It's be <laughs> Super exciting. There, there are tickets left, so you know, hook up with us for the Wounded Blue, the Brothers of Blue Bash Las Vegas. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Now, to wrap this up, can we just go over a little bit about what your organize your organizations do in case somebody might be needing to use you and your services? Sure. Um, I started a company called BW Limited Charity Fundraising. We're now North America's number one charity fundraising firm in North America. We are the company that's behind. Recently, we've been doing more and more law enforcement charity fundraisers for, you know, the Maryland State Police Alumni Association for the uh, all, Texas and New Orleans and in Boston and New York. We do them all over the country. So we help we help charities um, charities in general. We're, we do a lot of law enforcement and law enforcement events, but we help charities everywhere that do everything. Um, we've been to every state and nation. We've been into Canada. You name it, we've been there. We help a charity, especially that has no idea how to fundraise. Fundraising has changed drastically over the past 20 years. It is, it's extremely strategic. It's very, very, because there's 1.5 million charities in the United States. So what we do is we come in as the charity and we help that charity host a fundraising event that is not only extremely profitable, and if you can ask that Wounded Blue, they've already profited more money than they've ever profited ever. Um, and the event's not until October 17th. So we come in, help charities plan, manage, and host a major fundraising event and includes a live auction, silent auction, raffles, everything from beginning to end. So that's one of the companies. Plus, we also own CharityTravelPackages.com. It is what it is. Vacation packages for auction. Then we own Iconics Decor. Um, that We do restaurant decor. This all spawned off the first company. And then I'm really proud, proud of the last, the last of the ones that I have my name on. I'm partners with Patrick Cullen and you know, Pat, don't you Ash? So American Heroes Custom Framing. Um, I was in Baltimore helping an event in, um, for the Emerald Society and um, Amy Caprio, Baltimore, Baltimore County police officer was killed. First female police officer. She was murdered. And I, um, her family was at this event and I, I um, volunteered to frame her uniform and present it to the family that night. That spawned the whole thing. Then I framed, framed some other uniforms and I have with Pat Cullen and I was in Augusta, Georgia and helped Pat frame a bunch of uniforms. And him and I decided to open up another company where we specialize in law enforcement, armed forces, framing their uniforms, high end shadow boxes like you've never seen before. You know, the things that everybody likes to have on their walls behind. That's what we do. So. So we do. Awesome. And for you guys lighting up the comments, if you are serious, Leo Warriors might have a seat left at our table. So send me a direct message and, and let me know. And um, George, I, I'm just super excited and honored to know people like you. And 
I think as you listen to this, whether you're here live or you're listening in on the podcast, the most important thing is us being able to cultivate our tribe. And we do that by networking and reaching out. And I know George is more than open to having a conversation. And if any of what he has said or shared, it's all based on experience and not not trying to influence anybody. But I know when certain things land with the right people, it's important for us to lean into that. And the first way to do that is to actually speak up and say something. And I, I just honor you being able to open up that space for somebody who might need it. And i um, super excited for October. Can't wait to meet up with you in person. I know, George, I'm going to have you on because one thing that I found rather shocking and you gave a lot of insight on was the fact that a lot of people in today's society, they don't want to, they don't want to medicate with prescription medication for issues like PTSI. And you have a completely different take on that based on your own experience. So I would love to have you come back on so that we can discuss that more in detail, if that's okay. Absolutely. Anytime. Anything I can do for any of you, you or anybody, I'm here. Find me on Facebook. George Wooden, you know, the bald headed guy. <laughs> Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so, so much, George. And I will talk to you later. All right. See you.